You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, just for a few moments here this morning, I'm going to be speaking to you. And uh, I'm going to be speaking to you on a topic that has been stirring in my heart. God has placed in my heart, and I believe for a specific, uh, for a specific group of people. And... Um, just going to pray that God's will will be done. I'm going to be speaking to you on this one word that so many battle with, and that is the word enough. Enough. Amen. Can you join me one more time as we just lift up our hands in prayer? Hallelujah, Lord. We are so thankful for your presence that we felt in this place in such a spectacular way. We are so thankful for everything that you've already done, for the Bible teaching that we've heard here this morning. God, we've come with our hearts prepared to receive from you what you would want us to receive. And we just pray that you would speak into our spirit. God, we pray right now, Lord, that we would walk away from this place differently than when we came, Jesus, that there would be healing, that there would be strength, Lord, that there would be forgiveness that's grabbed a hold of because the sacrifice that you've made available for us. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will it be enough? That's a question that we ask, isn't it? Take your favorite sports team. They practice endlessly for the big game. When the moment comes, the question you're asking is, will it be enough to win the championship? Or whatever kind of bowl they're trying to win this year. I don't know much about sports, but it must be a really shiny bowl for them to fight over it the way that they do. A general committing his troops to the battlefield wonders in his heart, will it be enough to ensure victory? A marriage in trouble, a couple seeking help. The question overwhelming them, will it be enough to save their relationship? And on and on it goes, will it be enough? When is enough enough? Am I enough? It's a word that has come up in our vocabulary many times. And this morning I want to introduce you to a man who is battling with that little word, enough. His name is Peter. And he was one of the first disciples that Jesus called to come and follow him, to be one of his disciples. And that's an important thing to note this morning because it means that Peter was with Jesus from the beginning of his ministry. That means that he would have been there for many of the miracles that we read about in the pages of our Bible. He was what we would call an eyewitness to lives being changed as Jesus ministered to those in need. Peter was there when the blind received their sight. What a spectacular thing that must have been. He was there when they saw the world around them for the first time. He was there when the lame were healed and took their first steps. And when those with leprosy were restored, he was there to see the gratitude on their faces. He was there when Jesus fed thousands from a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And he was there when Jesus raised the dead to life. He saw all of this and more with his own eyes because he was there. Not only that, but he was one of the ones sent out in groups of two by the Lord. 
and given authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick by the power of the Lord. But you need to understand that this fisherman named Peter was a man of extremes. He lived life passionately. He was not one that you would call an introvert. If you don't believe me, I'll give you some examples. It was Peter who got out of the boat and walked on the water when Jesus called him to come to him. And it's also Peter who got... He went for a little swim, let's say, when he took his eyes off of Jesus and began to sink beneath the waves. It was Peter who, when Jesus began to speak of the necessity of his coming death and resurrection, took Jesus aside and tried to rebuke him for saying such things. It's Peter who refuses to let the Lord wash his feet at the Last Supper. And it's also Peter who Christ told that if you don't let me wash your feet, Peter, you will have no part of me, which makes him cry out, then not just my feet, Lord. Wash all of me. He truly is a man of extremes. It's Peter who boldly proclaimed that he would lay down his life for Jesus. It's Peter who drew his sword and attacked the servant of the high priest the night Jesus was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's Peter who told Jesus to, fi to his face that he would never deny him, no matter what may come. Lord, I'll never leave your side. I'll never deny you. But the Lord would tell him that before the night is over, he would deny him that he ever even knew who he was. Not once, but three times. Yes, that's the same one. It's the same one that Luke chapter 22, verse 62 tells us about, that remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Those were tears of remorse and shame and brokenness. Tears of self-revulsion and despair. Tears that were shed by a man who had done the very thing that he vowed he would never do. By a man who has failed himself and not only that, but has failed the Lord. A man who comes face to face with who he really is. And those are tears of one who knows who now knows a level of despair that he didn't know existed before, who hasn't been there. You want to do good. You want to follow the Lord with all of your heart. We wouldn't be here this morning if we didn't have that desire. But all of your wanting is not enough. And in defeat, you feel that it's quite possible you are not enough. And we end up battling with this word, enough. With the benefit of hindsight, we know what's to come. Things go downhill very fast. We don't know if Peter stuck around to see the crowds call for Jesus to be crucified or if he was there when the Lord is beaten, mocked, and scorned. But we do know he couldn't face the cross. He didn't show up when they pounded nails into his Savior's hands and his feet, and they resurrected that cross for all to see. In fact, only one disciple was, John. Peter has this battle raging inside of him. After everything that I've done to follow the Lord, I mean, I left everything, everything behind just to follow him. I tried to do everything he asked me to do, and it wasn't enough. Maybe if I had stayed awake and prayed in the garden like Jesus had asked me to do. Maybe if I had fought harder to fight them off when they were coming to get him, we wouldn't be in the scenario that we're in now. And 
Here he is, powerless to change anything, as Jesus sheds his blood and the life of his Messiah slips away. This wasn't the way it was supposed to be, Peter must have thought. Everything he had hoped for, everything he had worked for, everything that he had longed for and prayed for, all came crashing down around him. Truth is, sometimes life just doesn't turn out like you expect it will. Dreams are shattered, hopes are crushed. And some of you, perhaps all of us in some way, know the reality of those things personally. We know hopelessness. We know what it's like to feel despair, to feel grief. We know what it's like to feel pain and sorrow and suffering. We know it on an intimate level. And like Peter, we are left wondering what it all means. What does this all mean? It's got to mean something, Lord. And while he is in the middle of this inner battle, Scripture tells us that in those moments that Peter felt bewildered and covered in shame and regret for denying the Lord, word comes to him that Jesus has risen. He is no longer in the grave. The stone has been rolled away. Hallelujah. And this news reaches Peter and John. And you know what they do? They race. The Bible says they race each other to the tomb to see it for themselves. Could it really be true? Could it really be true? Arriving at the tomb, John, he just peeked into the tomb. The Bible tells us. But you know, Peter, <laughs> Peter, a man of extremes, he goes right in. He checks every corner of that place. It's true. It's true. Jesus isn't here. All that Peter finds is the Lord's grave clothes. He has risen. Somebody needs to know that here this morning. He has risen. Hallelujah. They return to their home, and it's not long before the risen Christ gives them a visit. Peter would testify about it. As he wrote later in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. The Apostle Paul, he also gives us testimony to these things in the book of 1 Corinthians, where we read these words. He says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to... Remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Hallelujah. By this gospel, you are saved. Hallelujah. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. He goes on to say, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then all of the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also. Hundreds of people saw Jesus after he had been raised from the dead. They walked with him and talked with him and ate with him. They sat and they listened to his teaching. Thomas, one of the disciples, full of doubt, touched the wounds the nails had left and finally believed that the one who stood before him really was Jesus. These men and women were eyewitnesses to the reality of the resurrection. Jesus, who had been dead, 
was alive. Hallelujah. Jesus who died is alive. And, we, and he showed up to over 500 people. 500 people. Including Peter. Including Cephas. But Peter is on characteristically silent during this time. I mean it's not like him to say nothing. <laughs> we have no record of his response to all of these things until several days later when the risen Christ appears to the disciples for the third time. There's a passage of Scripture that John records. We, I want us to see it today. John chapter 21, verse 1. He says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan, in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. <laughs> Turns out that I'm a professional fisherman as well. <laughs> Peter's still fishing. Jesus, his friend, his teacher, his Lord, has been crucified, had been had died, had been laid to rest for three days in that tomb. Now the tomb is empty. He knows that Christ has been resurrected, but it appears he doesn't know what to do except return to what he knew how to do. So Peter fishes. He goes back to his old way of making a living. He witnessed the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, but he doesn't yet comprehend what it all means. I mean, what a crazy three years it's been. But... Did we do enough? It doesn't feel like this should be the end. And some of you are in the same place that Peter is. You've heard of Jesus, maybe gone to church for years even. Every Christmas you hear of the birth of Christ. Every Good Friday, the death of Jesus. Every Easter Sunday, the resurrection of the Lord. But you're still fishing. You're still wondering what it means. You're still trying to figure out what this means for your life. Because if you were being honest, you can't help but still feel you are not enough. There's still shame and regret that hang over you. Because although you've seen for yourself that Jesus is no longer in the tomb, He is alive, you can't get a grasp of what that means for you. And so for that reason, many go through the actions of practicing religion Showing up to church, participating where they can, but not really living out their faith. Taking a hold of that resurrection power for themselves. And so right now, there is no release from the burden of guilt and shame that sin brings. No freedom from bondage to sin. No hope in death and no peace in life. You, like Peter, you hear of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you're still wondering. I know all of that. But I still can't get past the question, was it enough for me? Is it enough to transform my life? Is it enough to wash away my despair? Is it enough to take away my shame? Is it enough to change the entire focus of my life, my values, my priorities, my dreams? Is it enough to bring me new life? Let's keep reading. Verse 4 says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? <laughs> no, 
They answered. I somehow feel that that wasn't just a simple no. It's probably a begrudgingly no. No, I didn't catch anything. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord. He wrapped, the Bible tells us, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. Peter, he couldn't even wait for them to row to shore. <laughs> he jumps off the boat and starts swimming. That is Peter. The other disciples, they followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and they did the same with the fish. I wonder if they had a flashback to that last night when Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and shared it with them. I wonder if Peter had a flashback to when he first encountered Jesus and a similar thing took place. I wonder if they remember the words he had spoken on that last night, that last supper, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That was just before he took the cup, again gave thanks, and passed it to them saying, drink from it. All of you, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Maybe they didn't understand those words at the time, but now, in light of the death and resurrection, those words took on a whole new meaning. The cross is the one place where the wrath of God and the love of God come colliding together. And instead of the wrath of God, because of the love of God, we end up with this little thing called grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. And that simply means that God gives us something that we don't deserve. It means that instead, He forgives us when we don't deserve forgiveness. It means that He shows us love when we don't deserve love. It means that He gives us another chance when we don't deserve another chance. He pays the price for our redemption, for our freedom. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, He who is without sin became sin for us, that through Him we might become the righteousness of God. That's hard to wrap our minds around. It's difficult to put into perspective. But let's try. Take every sin that you've ever committed, sins that you have done and shouldn't have. Take every lie, no matter how little it seems to you, that you've ever told. Consider every lust every covetous thought that you've pursued, every anger, every angry word you have spoken, every selfish deed yet you've relished in, every careless act that you have undertaken. And add to that every denial of God that your lips have spoken or your actions have proclaimed, every rejection of God's word, His will and His ways in favor of your own. And know that the punishment for the least of those things was eternal separation from God. Peter knows he promised that he would never leave the Lord. 
and yet he left him high and dry. He abandoned him. So he can't help but feel that he is not enough. I gave God my word that I would stick with him, and I failed. Can God ever love me again? Can God ever forgive me again? Can God ever call me his own again? Romans chapter 5 verse 8, it tells us that God demonstrates his own love for us. Hallelujah. In this, while we were still sinners, while you and I were still sinners, Christ died for us. And on the cross, God's wrath was confronted with God's love. And the result was this amazing thing that we call grace today. John keeps telling us the story. Verse 15, he says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus has a special word for Peter here. Peter who felt worthless, who felt the weight of shame, who felt fear because of his own sin. Peter who might have feared that Jesus could never forgive him or love him after what he had done. Instead, the Lord asked him three times if he loved him. And each time, I believe Jesus gave Peter the opportunity to undo all three times he, he denied he ever knew him. With each time, Peter reinstated the love that he had for the Lord, and the Lord responded with, then work for me. Let me use you again, Peter. And our shame would cry out and say, but God, you know how many times I've failed you. You know how many times I came up short when you deserved more from me. Surely you don't want to use me. Let me backtrack just for a minute. Mark chapter 16, verse 6 to 7. When the woman discovered the empty tomb, one of the angels said to them this. Don't be alarmed, he said. You were looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. Hallelujah, he is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. <laughs> tell his disciples and Peter. Why would he say that? Because Peter was one of the disciples. Why, why speak his name separately? Because Peter needed to know it was enough. Not him. He wasn't enough. But God, what God did for him and what God did for all of us was enough. His grace is sufficient. His sacrifice was enough. His love is enough. Hallelujah. Amen. If I could have the music come back. Hallelujah, Jesus. Can we just take a minute to worship Him right now? Hallelujah, Lord. We are so thankful. God, we're thankful people here today to recognize the value that we have and the sacrifice that you made for us. It cost you your life, Lord. You laid down your life for us so that we could live victoriously in your righteousness. God, it's not enough, Jesus, that you died for us, but you also clothed us in your righteousness because you knew, Lord, that our righteousness doesn't cut it. Hallelujah, Lord. We need you, Jesus, here this morning. We need you, Lord. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John chapter 21. It goes on to say, Jesus goes on to say to Peter in verse 18, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, these words, follow me. Follow me. Where did he hear those two words before? Those were the first two words that Jesus spoke to Peter when he called him three and a half years ago. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me. <laughs> follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. After everything that they had been through together and after everything Peter did, the Lord tells him once again, follow me. I'm still calling you, Peter. I still desire to use you. I still have great things in store. And do you know what? Peter did. This man who denied Jesus, who hid in fear, who turned away, this man who was a fisherman finally became the fisher of men that Jesus knew he could be. Shame was replaced by grace. Fear replaced by boldness. Sorrow was replaced by joy. Despair replaced by hope. And so Peter and the other disciples would be told by the Lord to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise that he would send them. He experiences the assurance of salvation. Yes, Peter's one of the 120 in the upper room that get to experience. He was there. He was there because he still chose to follow. He will be the one that will step out of the upper room after the power of God's presence fills those 120 people, including Peter. And God will use him to preach the very first salvation message, which says, repent. Repent. Turn away from your old ways. <laughs> I know because I've been there. Peter, he knew it firsthand. Repent baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, for the washing away of your sins. God doesn't desire for those sins to stay with you. He wants them to be washed away. He doesn't want that weight to be on your shoulders. He wants them to be washed away. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The youth just had a powerful weekend this last weekend here in Fredericton at Remnant. A couple of them were filled with the Holy Ghost for the very first time. God's presence evaded in their life, changed their life forever. Amen. Hallelujah. We celebrate that with you. And God used Peter. If I could everybody stand. Let me let you in on a little secret here this morning. You are not enough. You aren't. The world will try to tell you that you are and that you can do it on your own. You are not enough. You don't have enough strength to get you out of the shame and despair and fear that you are in. But that's okay. Because Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. You don't need Jesus plus this.
You don't need Jesus plus that. Jesus is enough. I've got Jesus and that's enough. And it's in our weakness that he is made strong, the Bible tells us. When we finally accept the fact that it's only in him that we can live, we finally start living. His sacrifice was enough for you. His blood was enough to cover the cost of your shame and regret. It was enough for Peter, and it's more than enough for you. The empty tomb is God's proclamation that it is enough. God wants your shame to be replaced by his grace. He wants the fear that you have in your life to be replaced by his peace. Your sorrow replaced by his joy. Your despair replaced by hope. It's all in him. If you are still being crippled by shame, it's time for you this morning to come to this altar and take hold of the grace that God has for you and tell your shame, that's enough. If you are still being tormented by fear, it's time for you to grab a hold of the peace that God has supplied. Enter into this altar here this morning and tell your fear, this right here is enough. If you, even after years, have not found a way out of despair, it's time for you to come here this morning with the boldness that God has given you in the name of Jesus and claim victory over it because His victory over you was enough. It's enough. It's enough. It's enough. So stop condemning yourself. Stop it. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We've been brought close. So stop telling God that God isn't close to you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, it tells us, But now in Jesus Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You've been brought near by His blood. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it tells us, For by grace you have been saved by faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You can't do it yourself. You are saved through faith by His grace. That's His gift to you. You've got God, and that's enough. It's enough. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. I can't help but feel here this morning that there's a, there's a number of individuals that have held themselves captive for far too long by the shame and regret and despair that you felt into your life because the decisions that you've made. You've held on to those long enough. Let me tell somebody here this morning that's facing that because He is enough. His grace is sufficient for you. His love he wants to overwhelm you with here this morning. I'm going to open up these altars and I want us to come in a state of repentance. God, I'm sorry that I haven't turned it over to you before. God, I recognize here this morning that I've been lost in my own shame and grief and sorrow. God, I've been lost in my own regret from the decisions that I've made, God, for the way that life has turned out and I've condemned myself for it, Lord. God, but I've I cling on to your grace here today, Jesus, and I just pray right now, Lord. God, I recognize this morning that you are enough. Hallelujah, Jesus. I've had enough of this world, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. You're enough. You're enough, Lord. You're enough. Hallelujah, Jesus. Sure, 
Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.